I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. This has been a long week, right? Like one of the longer weeks? I swear, this one had more than five days in the work week. This was like a, this was like an eight or nine work week week, wasn't it? Workday week. It felt like it. Well, we've made it to Friday. Uh, we got a little, bit, a, little, a little bit under half the day left, and once we uh, call it quits for the day, we can go home, put our feet up, relax. Uh, but one thing we must keep in mind, and man, I, I just I feel like I feel like a parent. Uh, when I get on this soapbox of mine, when we get talking about the, the COVID virus and the corona and all the things that we need to do, the safeguards, the mask, the hand washing. Uh, but uh, we've been throwing a curveball. We've been throwing a curveball and it came uh, over the past few days. The numbers are high and it is uh, it's hitting us everywhere. We're going to later in the program speak to some Utah County officials about what's happening there. Uh, we'll, we're hopefully going to speak with uh, the sheriff, the Utah County Sheriff, uh, Sheriff Smith. There was a, a meeting earlier today, a conference call uh, amongst Utah County leaders, the sheriff included. Dr. Dunn was on the call as well. All of it addressing what we learned yesterday to be the disproportionately high number of uh, positive COVID-19 cases coming from uh, Utah County, uh, and in particular uh, amongst the, the younger age group, uh, 15 to 24. We, this morning, kind of combed through some of that data, and it's a little more spread out uh, than I think we gave an impression of yesterday, uh, but we'll get into that later on in the program. Right now, though, uh, I want to uh, welcome to the program a representative from the Canyon School District. Jeff Haney, spokesman, joins me now. Jeff, how are you? Uh, you know, it, it's been a very busy daily, but thank you so much for having us come on today. Yeah, my pleasure. You, you, you talk about it being a busy day. Let's start at the very beginning of your day. There were some, there were some fears that uh, that teachers might not show up today, right? What, what was that, and what did you do to react to that? Yeah, so earlier this week, we started to hear some social media rumors that there was a planned sick out of our teachers, the teachers who would plan to call in sick instead of come to school today to lead their classes. And, you know, this morning, uh, well, we've been planning on uh, a response plan if we needed to bring in extra substitutes and even ask administrators and office staff to uh, leave their posts here at the district office and go help our principals to make sure that every child who came to school today had a teacher in their classroom. Well, you know, it turned out that it was just social media chatter. Now, I'm sure that there were a lot of people who were engaged in this and perhaps were interested, but, you know, we have a sick leave for a reason. And this year, more than any other year, we have encouraged all families. Uh, Parents have been great at taking temperatures and checking their kids for any illness and symptoms of COVID-19 before they go to school every day. And every morning we ask our employees to do a checklist if they're ill and if they're experiencing any of the symptoms. And if you're truly sick, then please stay home. So, you know, this morning we woke up and uh, we were looking at our figures. And while we did see an increase in the number of teachers who are ill today, it's not out of the ordinary. And we were 
really grateful that it was really just a lot of social media activity. Our teachers are there doing a great job in a very challenging circumstances. We appreciate them so much for what they're doing. And also the teachers union came out and said that, listen, this is not uh, this is not activity that, that we support. If you do this, you're on your own without our support, correct? That is true. You know, we met yesterday with our union and um, they wanted, you know, they came to us and said, we want to make sure that you're aware that while we do have some concerns about, you know, the return to school plan and how we're moving forward, you know, the teachers are dedicated and the teachers are dedicated to their students, their schools, their school communities. And, you know, while we'll work together on how we want to move forward, we are not part of this activity encouraging people to misuse the sick leave benefit yeah. to prove a point. Let's talk now about uh, Corner Canyon. Uh, Corner Canyon, at least uh, as far as I know, is leading the state in terms of 42 confirmed cases. Is that an accurate number right now? There's more than that. Um, can you, right can you tell me the number? With the health of, um, I don't have the exact number right now, but it is more than the 42. And But here's the number that, you know, is equally as challenging. You know, more than 500, close to 600 students have been placed on quarantine. Now, this is part of our very robust and thorough contact tracing program that we, you know, do with our school nurses and our health department. And, you know, just for a second here, I just want to give a shout out to our amazing school nurses. They have been amazing throughout this entire experience. They've been doing contact tracing. They've been working with students and families. They've been our point people with the health department. Who The health department's been great, too. And they literally have been working around the clock. And this is why if there is a positive COVID-19 case, they have immediately jumped into action to identify any students, faculty, or staff who may have been in contact with the person who had tested positive to alert them, let them know, and place them on quarantine so that we don't have the infection spread within the school. We're taking those precautionary measures. Our school nurses have been really, really good at this, and we appreciate them so much. But, yeah, the challenge here is the number of kids who are out on quarantine. And here's why. Because those are the kids who had originally registered for in-person learning. When they register for in-person learning, that's where we allocate our resources in terms of teaching. The teachers are engaged in the in-person learning, and they're not being asked or should they, – they're – they're put in the position of having to do two jobs, the right. in-person learning and then turning around and engaging online with those who are on quarantine. And that puts a stress on all of our people. So the students who are out are trying to keep up with their class through Canvas, and that's difficult because they're not receiving the daily instruction. Let me, so let's talk about – I, I want to talk about the, the, the future of – uh, of the school specifically uh, as it relates to, to keeping the doors open. That that 42 number is, is and as you've shared with us, uh, it's actually higher. That That's higher than anywhere else in the state right now. Uh, is there talk of uh, of closing down for a time? So or, the board mo- moving to full, full remote learning? Yeah. So the Board of Education is meeting tonight at 4.30 in the board chambers here at the district office, and they are considering recommendations that were crafted by a subcommittee of the board. And the recommendations are 
so that our district has a plan, an exact plan moving forward. And what that does is take into consideration the percentage of a student's population in a school community that would trigger any type of possible action, which could include a pivot to online learning. And why that percentage number is important to us is while the state gives us really good guidance, one of the guidance numbers that they gave us was a threshold of 15 at any school to trigger any type of discussion about precautionary measures, a different schedule. But, but of course, 15 applied to the whole student body means different things depending on that school size. Has, you mentioned that you've had good communication with the, the health department. Are they understanding of this, of this percentage-based view uh, of a student body? Yeah, you know, we, we engage with them on those conversations every day. And, and yes, and even yesterday in the press conference with the governor, he indicated that the 15 was meant, 15 number threshold was meant as a starting point for discussion. But still, you know, what we were doing was seeking that additional clarification from the health authorities. And we have received those ongoing conversations and great recommendations from them. So today, the board, our board of education, will be looking at a recommendation of how our district will be moving forward, given the percentage of the people in that school community. And that that decision will be made tonight at a 4.30 board meeting. Correct. And as you noted, you know, it's a vastly different number for a school of 150 kids for them to get to 15 than a school of 2,400 kids. If they got to 15 cases, that's a vastly different percentage. Yeah. Well, we'll be anxious to to hear what decisions are made uh, tonight in the boardroom. Uh, Jeff Haney with the Canyon School District, sir, thank you for your time. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you. Appreciate it. Of course. All right. We're going to take a break right now. When we return, you heard I made mention earlier of a big conference call, which took place just this morning between leaders in Utah County. The commissioners were there. The sheriff was there. uh, Dr. Dunn at the health department was there. So, too, was the mayor of Orem City, who put forth an interesting recommendation on how to entice those in his community to wear masks and exercise good social distancing. He wants to pay him for it. We'll get those details next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, You need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.